At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, friends, it is the beginning of a school year, and at Wildwood, a a church located in a university town, it is the beginning of a ministry year for us as well. And so I know there are are people here that are new to Wildwood. I also know that for those of us who have been around a while, it's still helpful for us to remember what we're all about as a church. And so as we proceed through the rest of the month of August, we're going to be talking a little more about our mission as a church, our purpose as a church family. We, we talk about our purpose and mission this way. We are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. This is what we're about. This is why we exist. We exist to, to glorify God by being together and following Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we, we have a number of emphases here at Wildwood. We call them our four fours, opportunities we have to invite others to follow Jesus together with us. One of those is that we are for the nations. Another is that we are for our community. A third is that we are for the church. And then also we are for the next generation. And over the next three Sundays, we're going to be looking at these four fours each week. Today, we're going to begin by talking a little bit more about what we mean when we talk about being for the next generation here at Wildwood. Well, as we prepare to do that, I want to set the table a little bit for us by by talking about Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have been to Washington, D.C.? Lots of hands are up. So this is a familiar picture for you. When America founded as a nation, this city did not exist. It was built for the express purpose of being our nation's capital. And when the architects were putting together uh, the design of this city, they decided to build a, a national mall, this grassy area that runs down the spine of the city. And, and this national mall, future congresses would determine, would be like a national trophy case where different monuments could be placed in different locations to remember significant events and important individuals who have influenced the history of our country. Now, when you go to Washington, D.C., as my family did last summer, you have the opportunity to walk up and down that mall and see these monuments, look at these trophies, if you will, and have great conversations with your kids. You're able to look and and talk about why that World War II monument is so significant and how my grandfather fought in that war. We got to have that conversation because of the monument that was placed there. Monuments and memorials are helpful in communicating history and what is important. Now, this is not something that is unique to the United States, but countries all over the world remember and commemorate their history through memorials and monuments. And even going all the way back to the biblical times, the nation of Israel also built monuments and memorials to remember their history and what God had done. Today, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24, where we will see one of the specific monuments that was erected to remember what God had done. I want us to look at that today to be challenged. 
Not just for us to be challenged to remember a history that happened a long time ago, but for us to be challenged by their example that we also might be a people that remember what God has done today through the memorials and the monuments that we celebrate. So let's turn to Joshua 4 and see our biblical example before we connect it to our lives today. Now before I read these verses, it's helpful for us to to place them in a little bit of historical context. You see, the people of Israel had been captive in Egypt for a number of years. They had been slaves, and they had been inscripted to build things like the pyramids and monuments in Egypt, but the situation had deteriorated. It continued to get worse, and so the the people of Israel had cried out to God for deliverance, and God provided deliverance. Through Moses, God would lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt towards a land that he had promised them. Now, he would do so through a number of miracles. Uh, Most impressive, we might think of, as the parting of the Red Sea, but also a number of other miracles that took place in Egypt as God extricated them from that situation and moved them to the new land. But as they began to move towards that promised land, disobedience rose up among the people, and it caused God to require them to wait some 40 years before the people of Israel would be able to enter the promised land. When we get to Joshua chapter 4, the people of Israel have just entered the promised land, and they are going to remember what God has done. So let's look at what we see in Joshua 4, beginning in verse 19. It says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, friends, in these few verses, I want us to see three things today about remembering and recounting and reverberating the Lord's mighty works in our world. So, what's the first thing we need to see? The first thing we need to see is that we need to remember that the Lord has done great things. Amen? We need to remember that the Lord has done great things. Something that we need, but it's also something that was needed among the people of Israel as they were entering the promised land. You see, They had an amazing past, an amazing past. God had intervened on their behalf in remarkable ways through through the plagues that came on Egypt, through sustaining the nation, through the Passover event, and ultimately through leading them into the Red Sea and through it on dry ground so that they might be saved, while the Egyptians were not so fortunate. You see, God had provided remarkably through the exodus out of Egypt for his people. Now, what's interesting is the event that commemorated that exodus out was the event of the Passover, where the angel passed through the village and those that had the blood of the lamb above the doorframe 
Their firstborn were spared while others were not. And we see this meal commemorated and celebrated in Exodus chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. You see, the, the event that would commemorate that Passover event would be celebrated on the first month of their year, on the tenth day of that month. Now, this is not a, a lost detail in the words that we just read in Joshua chapter 4. In Joshua four nineteen, it says this. It says, the people came up out of the Jordan on what day? On the tenth day of the first month, the same time of year. For the Jewish people, this would have immediately connected it to their exodus out of Egypt. It'd be like for us to talk today and for me to tell you that something happened on December the 25th. If I said something happened on December 25th, you would immediately go, oh, it happened on Christmas. So when they think of the 10th day of the first month, they are immediately thinking of the exodus out of Egypt. See, they were remembering what God had done in their past, even as they entered the promised land. Not only had he led them out of Egypt, though, but he, God had also provided for them in a significant way. We, we think of how God provided for them in the wilderness. He, he led them with a cloud by day and a fire by night, the book of Numbers tells us. And so the people of Israel did not just wander, they were led by God for 40 years in the wilderness, a cloud by day and a fire by night. Not only did God provide in that amazing way, but God also provided for their needs. He provided for them water. I don't know if you've ever been to the Negev, the southern region of Israel, or to the Sinai Peninsula, but imagine trying to sustain a group of over a million people with only the natural water found in that region. It would have been impossible, but God made it possible. How did God make it possible? God made it possible by providing water for them, bringing it forth at times from a dead, dry rock so that his people had enough to drink. God had provided for them in amazing ways in their past. Not only that, but God had provided for them food. Again, where would they get enough to eat? There were no Walmarts there. There, there, there were, were no farms of, of size and substance to feed this number of people. But God still provided for them food to eat, that manna that he provided from heaven, and quails that were available for them to eat. God provided for them in an amazing way in their past. And not only that, but there's this little detail in, in Deuteronomy 29 where Moses is recounting the events of what God had done in the time of the Exodus. But he says that while they wandered in the wilderness those 40 years, their clothes did not even wear out. It's a funny thing to think about, right? There was no TJ Maxx out there. There were no places for them to replace their clothing, but the Lord sustained and provided for them. See, friends, they had an amazing past where God had provided for them again and again and again, and they were to remember this. But not only did they have an amazing past, they also had a promising future, there was a promising future in front of them. Just think of some of the events that the nation of Israel would experience in the days and years ahead. The walls of Jericho would fall down. They, there still were walls around the city of Jericho when they crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. 
but God would win the victory and provide that land for them in, in a miraculous way, like the walls of Jericho falling, or like the giant Goliath being defeated by David when he was just a younger man, or like the city of Jerusalem, an impenetrable city being taken by the Jewish army with men going single file up a water shaft. These were some amazing events in the future that God was going to do. And so, knowing what God was going to do in the future and remembering what God had done in the past, he instructs the nation to take 12 stones out of the dry riverbed and carry them up to the city of Gilgal and make a monument to remember what he had done. Why does God do that? Well, God wanted them to know that just as he had worked in their past, so also he would work in their present and in their future. That these stones would be a reminder of who God is, what he was capable of, and what he was going to do. Now, let's think about us for a moment. Has the Lord done great things for us? I mean, come on, wake up. Has the Lord done great things for us? Yes, the Lord has done great things for us. And if we were to go around and share testimonies, we could spend a lot of time this morning sharing things the Lord has done for each of us individually. But I want to focus us this morning, not just on what he has done for us individually, the individual answers to prayer, but I want us to focus on what God has done for us collectively, something we all share. So what are some of the big things that the Lord has done for us? Well, He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Is that a big thing? Absolutely. Is that a great thing that he has done? Yes. Has it already happened? Did it happen historically? Absolutely. Jesus came into history, born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to take the penalty that our sins deserve. That is what God has done for us. For, for many in this room, this is something we have embraced, we have placed our faith and trust in, and we have been forgiven as a result. For others of you who are here today who are wondering how you might be connected and reconciled with God, know that it is because of what Jesus came and did for you that you could be reconciled to God. If you would trust in him, your sins would be forgiven, and you'd be connected to God forever. Has the Lord done great things for us? Absolutely. Jesus came and died for us. But not only that, if we have trusted in Christ, guess what else? The Holy Spirit has come to indwell our hearts. God has sent his Holy Spirit to reside in the hearts and lives of all believers in Jesus, to lead us and guide us into truth, to empower and equip us for godly living, and to remind us of the fact that we are his. This is what God has done for us. Has he done amazing things? Has he done great things for us? Absolutely. But even, let's go one step further. He's also placed us inside of a body and on a mission that will not fail. You know, Jesus talked to his disciples in Matthew 16, and and this is what he said. He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All who have placed their faith and trust in Christ have been united together in the body of Christ. And we have been invited onto a mission that will not fail because Christ's church will continue to grow and influence and impact this world until the time of Christ's return. Friends, we 
are part of something amazing. And we are people who have been witness in history to great things the Lord has done. Now, how do we remember that? How do we remember that? I mean, are we, are we supposed to go and visit a memorial to this effect to help us remember it? I mean, is there a, a memorial that is in the city of Jerusalem where we go and visit? Is it some special church? Is it some special site? No, that's not the way the Lord has designed it for us. Remember, when the nation of Israel set these rocks up as a, as a monument, where were God's people? Where were they? They were all right there, right? The entire nation was right there. God's people were there. So it was accessible to them. Even, even their, their method of worship was to go to the temple because they were all right there. But in our day, we're not all right there. We're scattered. People from every tribe and tongue and nation. And yet, as we are scattered about the world, the Lord has given us monuments and memorials to remind us of what he has done. So what are those today? If it isn't, you know, a physical thing in the Middle East, what, what are we to look to to remember what the Lord has done? Well, a few things. One of those monuments and memorials is baptism. It's baptism. In baptism, we remember our beginning. We remember when we first started to follow Christ. You know, last Sunday was a baptism Sunday here at Wildwood. What were we doing as we gathered on that day? We were looking at this, this gift, this monument, this memorial that reminds us that, that we began to follow Christ at some point. For those who were baptized, we were celebrating their beginning. For the rest of us, it reminded us of when we began to follow Christ. It's not just that we go to one specific location, but wherever we are, when a baptism takes place, we are visiting the memorial, and it reminds us of the fact that our relationship with Christ had a beginning. What's another one? What's another memorial? Well, Communion is another memorial or monument given by Jesus to the church so that wherever believers are, whenever they gather, they have this reminder of the fact that Jesus died for us and through his death establishing, established a new covenant by which our sins might be forgiven. Jesus said, as often as we partake of the bread and the cup, that we would do so in remembrance of him. At Wildwood, about once a month, we celebrate the Lord's table. Next Sunday is our next communion Sunday. What are we doing in that moment as a church family? Well, we are gathering around the bread and the cup as reminders of the fact that Jesus died for us and established a new way for us to be connected with God forever. Friends, Baptism and communion are two of the monuments and memorials. But I'll offer one more. And that is church attendance is also a, a monument or a memorial, so to speak. It reminds us of where we belong. When we come to church, we are, we are making a, a statement that says we belong among the people of God. This is where we belong, and so we prioritize being a part of this. We're reminded of who we are in Christ and whose we are, that we are God's people, that God is our Heavenly Father. We, we are making that statement, and we are reminded of that truth as we gather together as a church family. 
In each of these ways, baptism, communion, and church attendance, we, we, are, we are stacking stones of remembrance of who God is and what he has done, the amazing things he has done for us. And so my question to each of us is just simply this. Are we stacking those stones? Are we stacking those stones? Have we personally been baptized upon our profession of faith? Have we stacked that stone? Are are we making it a priority to celebrate the Lord's table? Have we stacked that stone? Are, Are we making it a part of our regular rhythm to gather with a church family and to worship him? Friends, as we stack these stones, we are remembering who we are, whose we are, and the great things that God has done. See, friends, we are to remember that the Lord has done great things. There's a second thing that we need to see in this passage, and this moves us a little closer towards our comments about the next generation. We are to recount the Lord's work to the next generation. We are to recount the Lord's work to the next generation. Now, it's interesting. These stones were taken up out of the Jordan River, and they were stacked as a reminder that God had provided for them in a big way in their past so that they would remember that he would be faithful even in the present. But there was nothing on the stones themselves that would explain the story. Those stones were placed there so that little Jacob would pull on his father's tunic as they walked by those stones and say, hey, hey, daddy, what are those stones there for? And when that question came, then the fathers were to speak to their children and to explain to them what God had done. They were to say, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Friends, do do you see a repeated pattern in that answer? What is highlighted? Who is highlighted? Let me help you see it. It is the Lord's work that is highlighted. For the Lord your God, the Lord your God, he's the one that dried these things, this up. He's the one that made the way. He's the one who has been at work. The stones were just stones. But the story that the fathers were to tell their children was of the great work of God. Now, this is something that it was a pattern throughout the Old Covenant. By Old Covenant, I mean the Old Testament time. It was God's intention that this truth would be passed on from parents to their children. Uh, We we see this in places like Deuteronomy chapter 6, one of the most prominent verses in Judaism. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Then he continues, You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. It was God's intention that families would pass down to the next generation the truth of who God was and what he had done. This is also seen in Psalm 145, a verse that Bruce read for us at the beginning of our service today. One generation, it says, shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. 
This phrase is repeated a number of other times in the Psalms. It was God's plan in the Old Covenant era for this truth to pass down from generation to generation, with a family being a key component of that dissemination. But what's interesting is in the New Covenant, it is continued. In the New Testament times, in the, the time that we now live, it is still God's plan that God's people would pass on the truth of who God is to the next generation, that it would not stop with us. Um, we, we see this in places like 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 when it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The truth that had been received was to be passed on to the next generation. Think of it like a relay race where the baton was carried from generation to generation. And now this baton is placed in our hands and God's intention is that we would run this race faithfully. And part of that is handing it off to those who follow. Now, when we think of recounting the Lord's work and faithfully passing on this message, how do we use these, these memorials, these monuments that we mentioned earlier to facilitate those conversations with the next generation? Well, let's think of baptism for a moment. When you think of baptism, you know, why do we cancel our children's ministry classes and our student ministry classes and our adult classes on Baptism Sunday? It's an intentional step for us. It creates the opportunity for all of us to gather in this room, including kids, so that when people gather in this room and they see someone being baptized on this stage, that they might pull on your tunic, mom and dad, and say, what is that all about? What is this, this baptism that they're talking about? It creates an opportunity to have a conversation with the next generation about what God has done. And, and friends, honestly, it creates an opportunity for you to tell your story. You know, on, on Sunday when I, I watched baptism after baptism, we had 24 baptized last Sunday, um, it just reminded me again and again of my story and when I had come to faith in Christ and when I was baptized. And it's something that created opportunity for us to talk about even as a family. And so when we think about this picture of baptism, it creates an opportunity to recount the work of the Lord. Second thing is communion. What do we do with communion? Well, I, I, again, we celebrate communion about once a month. Next Sunday is our next time. And when we gather as a church family, uh, we have lots of programming for, for people all different ages. But if you have a sixth grader or up, we, we love to have them come and worship with us as well. They can go to their student ministry class during one hour, but they can join us in the other hour. And it allows you as a family to celebrate moments like communion together, where you're able to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It creates a chance for you to talk again as a family about what Jesus has done. And even if your family is scattered, as you go home on those days, that you might also have a chance to talk as a family and remember what Christ has done and why we celebrate the Lord's table together, that the bread and the, and, and the wine are symbolic of the body and blood of Christ that was broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. It's a monument or memorial that gives us a chance to talk about and remember and recount the work of the Lord. Same thing's true of church attendance. You know, when we make it a priority to gather as a family to worship then we have opportunities to talk about why we have prioritized that, even as a family. 
We were able to, to talk about how we were gathering together because of whose we are. We are God's children. And in who we are, we have been made new in Christ. So we gather here because this is who we are. You know, I, I've shared this illustration often, but I'll, I'll share it again here. Why do I go to Robinson Family Reunions? It's not that hard because I'm a Robinson, right? That's why I go. It's part of who I am. Why do we gather together in a church on Sunday morning? Because we are Christians, because we are in Christ. It is who we are. And we're reminded of that truth and the importance in our daily lives as we prioritize it as our family. And then we think about another opportunity for this is that we might serve the next generation. You know, when you are, are serving in children's ministry, I look around the room, I see a number of people wearing their green shirts today. You got your uniform on for children's ministry. Um, you're getting ready to, to step into a classroom this week or in the weeks ahead. Um, when you do that, you realize that you have an opportunity to recount the works of the Lord. That's what you're doing. When, and when you're serving, leading that college Bible study, or when you're involved in student ministry in different ways, you are recounting the works of the Lord. See, this is what we do as we serve the next generation. And this also has impact in our homes. When we talk about the Lord's work, when we read Scripture, when we pray together as a family, we are recounting the work of the Lord. It's God's plan that we would pass on this knowledge of Him to those who come after us. Now, a third thing that I want us to see, though, is this. The reverberation... When God's people remember what he has done and, and, and respond to that revelation by recounting what he has done, then there is a reverberation that is felt by the world around us. The fame of the Lord is made known to the world as God's people worship and remember and stay true to him. Now, we see this in verse 24. We see this somewhat of a chain reaction that happens here. See, the hand of the Lord is remembered to be mighty as they, they see in the, this stack of stones and they remember what he has done. As we look to the Lord's table, as we look to baptism, as we gather as a church family, we remember what God has done. And we remember what he's done, we're reminded that he is mighty, that he does great things. And this leads us to, to have a fear and worship of God, to respond in obedience, to respond, as we sang earlier, by abiding in Him. But as we respond to the knowledge that God is mighty, the world will feel the reverberations. The verse begins, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Now, was this just a hope that Joshua is saying? Or do we already even have some evidence by Joshua 4 that the world was getting the message that there was no one like the Lord? Well, we have a great illustration, and that is Rahab. Remember Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute who was living in um, this, the city of Jericho, and Jericho is hearing and learning about God leading his people out of Egypt and, and now taking them across the river into the land. And, and Rahab makes this statement in, in chapter 2. 
of Joshua. She says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. The reverberations of what God had done, and as it was remembered by God's people, is that people like Rahab would ultimately become a follower of the one true God. Friends, our decisions are not inconsequential. As we take this chain reaction and and work it through ourselves, it can leave a lasting legacy and impact in the world. As we remember what the Lord has done, as we gather on weekends, as we spend time in, in fellowship together, we are remembering what the Lord has done. And that should lead us to respond to what he has done through obedience and through worship and through a reordering of our lives. And as we respond to what the Lord has done, remembering what he has done, ultimately reverberations are felt around the world. Friends, we have an opportunity as a church to, to, to leave reverberations, not just in our community, but around the world. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But just to encourage you with the significance of these decisions, will we remember Will we recount so that the world may know? Now, I want to end with a quote by Warren Wearsby, a great quote that he has talking about the the memorials and remembrances we have of God, even in things like baptism and communion. He makes this statement. He says, there's nothing wrong with memorials, provided they don't become religious idols that turn our hearts from God. And provided they don't so link us to the past that we fail to serve God in the present. Glorifying the past is a good way to petrify the present and rob the church of power. The next generations need reminders of what God has done in history. But these reminders must also strengthen their faith and draw them closer to the Lord. When we remember what God has done in the past, it should inspire us and the next generation, not just to gather as a museum, but to trust the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for the the opportunity to to look at your word today and be challenged by it. Lord, may we be a, a people that that remember what you have done, that, that celebrate what you have done, that worship you because of what you have done. And Lord, may, may as we worship in these ways, Lord, may, may the next generation know who you are. May they, they, they come to experience and trust you um, even as we do. And, and Lord, I, I pray also that ultimately there would be reverberations that would impact the nations as we respond to who you are. We thank you so much. We pray that you would be honored now as we respond in song together. In Jesus' name, amen.